The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 130 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host out on the left coast, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? doing well you know we talked last week about how to cram in so much news into one podcast and now i feel like there's nothing left there's no crumbs left on the thanksgiving table how disrespectful to evan turner you you didn't appreciate the news of him joining the boston Celtics staff as a player development coach you didn't think that was big enough news to lead the show with actually th- that was actually interesting just in the sense that evan turner's not far removed from being a player i mean obviously but i mean like a guy who could have gotten like a two million dollar contract and it sucks that he has to you know take the official player development role which is how much like fifty thousand dollars i mean versus like thomas haslam who's going to get paid two million dollars to do the same thing kevin turner has a lot of money in the bank so the money on the position doesn't really matter to him but it's interesting just like you said like he's a young dude like he's not he's playing right and he was a, you know, I think he won the Wooden Award in college, right? He's a former number two overall pick. His career definitely wasn't like this super illustrious thing in the pros, but he was a good NBA player. And like, you, you know, you don't see these guys like join coaching staffs right away. It's not something you see from like guys you would consider are higher level players. And I would consider Evan to be that type of guy. So it is interesting to see him go this route, like, instead of just being like, hey, I'm just going to enjoy the next, you know, five to eight years of my life until I need something to do with my time. Right. Like that's where I think it's well, kind of I think he's like, it's not like he's passing up tens of millions of dollars, but he no, could have gotten a million dollars probably. Right. I don't know. Or, I don't know. What about <laughs> overseas? Like he could have milked another like two or three years playing for like China or playing. Sure. If, if he wanted to, he probably could have made seven figures in China, but why would he go to China with all the money he has in the bank? And like, I just don't see, I don't know. It's interesting, man. These guys work hard. Like player development coaches, like they, it's, it's not like a do nothing gig. And for him to go work for Brad Stevens, you know, he must be very serious about coaching because well, do you think it's going to be one of those situations, you know, not, we just saw the Denver Broncos. They tried to get their assistant coach to be the quarterback because he's reasonably athletic and he knows the plays. Do you think there's going to be any temptation if Jalen Brown gets hurt or gets coronavirus, I mean, that's going to be a Just thing to sign, to sign Evan Turner off the bench. I like it as a, as a loophole, but I don't know. Right. I mean, but I could, mean, I'm not even like joking around like the NBA should look at the NFL and be like, Hey, we might need deeper rosters. Yeah. That, that's man. I don't want to talk. We, we, we joked about this off the air. Like, did we want to talk about COVID? Cause like, it's been such a huge thing. And like, there's definitely outbreaks all over the place. And as of our recording now on Monday, we have no idea if the Ravens are even going to have enough total players to be able to play the Steelers on Tuesday night. We should find out soon. But 
that's what I thought with like the quarterback thing. Like why doesn't every team just have an emergency quarterback that they just kind of keep separate? Like they're just virtually in meetings and they still take reps in practice, but like you're not sitting in a meeting room. That's you're what not- the Buffalo Bills got a lot of credit because that's what they've been doing with Jake Fromm, like just keeping him in a different building. Right. So you just know like it, it sucks obviously, but like in the NBA it's going to be, you know, cause we're going to see guys test positive. Like it's going to happen because they're not going to do a bubble. We know this already. And you know, we've seen it happen in the NFL. We've seen it happen in major league baseball. We didn't see it in the NHL. We didn't see it in the NBA because they were in bubbles, but we've seen it in college football. Like, it's through the roof. Like, now college basketball, tons of games have been canceled already. And so, like, it's going to happen. So, if you're the NBA, like, yeah, why not for this specific year have an extra three guys on your roster or something? Because there are going to be some teams that they have G League teams that are close, right? So, like, for example, like the Wizards or I'm trying to think who else, the Sixers, like, they have teams close. So, like, if they need a body, like, they can call somebody up pretty easily. But there are other teams that can't do that. So, well, I would just, I would wonder if I was a team on the bubble, like who's you know trying to make the playoffs, feels desperate to make the playoffs, right on the verge. I don't know if I would want to have a traditional G League team that travels around getting infected. I would want to have like five guys just yeah. sitting in a room quarantined, so, ready to go in case of similar, emergency. Like if we were on Bovada Sportsbook, like I don't know what the odds of the NBA doing anything different are, right? Like I have no idea. But I think this idea at least seems more reasonable as we kind of dive further into the season because you know, we talked about it like this show right now is the last show that we'll have of technically the off season, right? Because by the time we record again next week, like guys will be in training camp and conceivably we will start hearing news about positive tests. I'm sure from right. players like traveling well, in market. So it's going to be, I, I never heard of this as a reason um, for delaying or scheduling, but by all accounts, COVID is going to be really bad over the winter. And the NBA is trying to rush this through to get games going as soon as possible. It, for that reason, it might be a problem. Again, it's like, not a big deal in the sense there's, you know, they're going to have 72 games. So it's, it's not like the NFL where like, you know, a handful of games are really going to make or break your season, yeah. but still, I don't know. I don't know the financial pressures, but it just seems right. risky. Yeah. And you know, there, there's, we're, we're even talking about the G league. Like it's possible that the league decides like, Hey, we don't want to have a full G league season, right? Like we don't want to pay for that. If we think it's going to be a drain kind of like baseball did with minor league baseball this past season. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be a case, especially because they've like already invested like so much into it. They have like their G league exposure team and stuff now. So like, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. I mean, I, I just think that like, you know, we're going to talk about today on the show, like some well, teams that have like large because it's yeah, best case, worst case scenario. We're right. talking about like nightmare scenarios. So that was like the theme of the show is like, which teams have like the biggest, range like upside downside and then we wanted to include the caveat like not injury related so like you know some teams like john wall or something like that or even you know chris paul gets hurt a lot like that that matters it could happen again blake griffin gets hurt a lot like that will change your outcome a lot but forgetting that just like how well will the team mesh together what's the best case worst case presuming health yeah, and I, you know, I think it's funny because Golden State's one of the teams that we have on the list, and obviously they're specifically on the list because I, I think if Clay Thompson was healthy, like we could pretty much pencil Golden State into that like three or four seed, and and maybe actually better than that. I don't know. Like I, it's going to be very interesting to see. Steph Curry is a little bit older, but I think he deserves the respect that he is one of the best five players in the NBA when he's healthy, and I think we've thrown them onto the list now because of the Clay Thompson injury. So the circumstances I think for teams being on this list 
are very, very different, which I think, so we, we have four teams and then we have a couple like quick hitters at the end. Cause there's some other teams that have some interesting pieces about them if things go right or wrong. But I think that this year's season, given how quick it's going to start and uh, I think is going to be a lot to digest, if that makes sense. Like, I just think like, we're going to get into it and we're going to have rookies. It seems like the draft just happened. There was no summer league. There's going to be three preseason games. And all of a sudden, like guys are going to be playing games. So I think it's going to be really hard to pin down early in the year. Like who's going to be really good and who's going to be bad. Like we know what we think, but like you said, it's a shorter season. It's, you know, it's happening so fast. Like we don't know how in shape guys are going to be. We don't know how rookies and new free agents are going to acclimate. Like we don't know any of that stuff. So I think there's more – I think the range of outcomes for a lot of teams is pretty wide, Sam. So I, I, yeah. I am excited And like to a team that like wouldn't qualify, like say like Utah Jazz, like bringing back the same team, you're either like the three seed, four seed, five seed, whatever, something in that range. It would be surprising barring injury if something changed drastically. So we want to focus like teams that could go up or down like five seeds. Like what are the biggest ones? And we're going to start with two teams that, are, that were the seventh seed last year and have, I would guess, you know – Unusually high ceilings is why they're here, but Brooklyn and Dallas. Yeah, so I guess we'll talk about them both at the same time for for kind of the same reason, right? So different different reasons they have higher ceilings, but you and I, let's talk about Dallas for a quick second. So Dallas was the seventh seed last year, played the Clippers quite close. Luca is the favorite on Bovada to win the MVP next year, which when you say it, it seems crazy, but when you think about it a little bit further, if he puts up the numbers that he put up this past season and they're the one or two seed, given what the media thinks about him and how marketable he's been, like, how does he not win, right? And so if Luca takes another jump, they've improved themselves on the perimeter defensively. They lose a little shooting with Seth Curry, obviously, but Josh Richardson is a better player than Seth Curry and he helps them a little bit more. They hopefully have Porzingis healthy. But the biggest thing is, like, if Luka really is the best player in the NBA next year, and I don't think he will be Zan, but it's conceivable that he could be, this is a really good roster. It's built around him. They re-signed Willie Cauley-Stein. They, they get Dwight Powell back healthy at a certain point. Drafted Josh Green. They, they drafted Tyrell Terry, who should provide some shooting help, though he's further away. But he should be able to give you some of what Seth Curry did. And, like, this is a really good roster around Luka. They're, they're going to be better defensively. They were already the second best offense in the NBA last year, or the best offense in the NBA last year, I think. So this is a team that was a seventh seed, and they were going to win around like 45 games if we extrapolated it out to 82. But like this is a team that could take a huge jump. They could win 57 games. Like You could see a 15% a 15-game pace right. increase probably from them, I would yeah, guess. Yeah, and we're adjusting for 82 because that's what our brains are used to. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, people always bristle. I know our ombudsman Dondrick bristles when you mention like LeBron and Luca in the same breath, but like, cause their games are a little different. Their athleticism is a lot different, but in terms of like their, where they are on like the development curve, it's very similar. Um, LeBron, you know, first two years didn't make the playoffs, but he was a sixth in MVP that second year. That's basically what Luca finished where he might've been even higher. What was he like fourth or fifth? And yeah, I don't remember. First team all NBA though. So obviously like he finished in the top six. And then that third year is when LeBron took another leap. He was the team one jumped up to 50 wins and he was second in MVP. And 
it's not inconceivable that that could happen. That's exactly what you're saying. And remember, young LeBron took the Cavs to like the one seed pretty early on in his career. Yeah, he was the four. He was the four seed. Though he finished fourth in MVP voting. Uh, Giannis, LeBron, Harden, Luca. Luca, you're saying, yeah. And and so LeBron was second at 21. Luca could do it, and and you know the regular season and the MVP is sort of like a young man's game. Yeah. Uh, And we saw Giannis do it recently, and. You know, he took his team to the one seat a few times. He was a few years older, but, you know, I think Luca's just f- further along in terms of the learning curve. Like, he was just uh, had a head start because how good he was at such an early age. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, right? So he goes for 29, uh, nine and a half, and I believe right around nine assists, like eight, eight and a half, eight point eight assists a game. One steal. I, I would say for Luca, it's like, okay, well, like, how much better can he get, right? Because we've talked about the shooting, 30 just under 33% as a rookie. And then last year, uh, right around 31 and a half percent as a sophomore, but on the volume that he shoots, like, so let's talk about it. Let's say he raises his three point percentage, like 4%, right. And he cuts his turnovers by like one or two a game. His stat line is going to be ridiculous. Like he, he, we're talking about a guy who he may put up like lower raw numbers and his efficiency is just going to go through the roof. And he's already a pretty freaking efficient player because of the amount of times he gets to the foul line. So They've now had a whole year to integrate him and Porzingis. We know that was a little bit of an issue before. I would imagine they'll find a better way to stagger them. Uh, defensively speaking, like I said, I'm, I'm more bullish with the additions of, like I think Josh Richardson is a really good addition for them, playing with Tim Hardaway. And then Josh Green, I think, is a guy that will be able to defend right away. I don't know if he'll be able to play enough offense to be very good. But if I'm Mark Cuban and I'm deciding whether or not I want to be an NBA owner or be president in 2024 – Luca makes it pretty appealing for me to continue to just run my NBA team and assume that I'm going to get a lot of publicity for winning a title in the next couple of years. And I wouldn't bet the Mavericks to win the title. We talked about their Bovada odds, I believe, last week, saying that they had like the fifth best odds in the West, which seems high. But at the same time, like it's not inconceivable that they could be the two seed or even the one seed. And Right, and we're, then, we're we're forty games from now talking about like how we underrated Dallas because we weren't sure that there was another jump year. for Luca to take, you know. And then also, you always worry about people who grew too quickly, you know, and then the possible regression. But there's really not a lot of room for regression in the number you yeah. just mentioned. Usually, it's like a three point thing. Like they just they were really hot from three, and now they'll cool off. But you said Luca shot under thirty two percent from three, so. He's not going to cool off much more than that. If and anything, he shot, like he, he finished better at the rim this year, which you wouldn't expect to regress because he did get in better shape. He, you know, you have a whole year to figure it out. It, it would seem like that the the telltale signs are that he stays the same or his percentages get better. Like, right. I definitely think so. Is there, when you're talking about downside, I don't think there's much with him. I mean, you know, obviously barring an unexpected injury, but could this team, worst case scenario, miss the playoffs? They were seventh last year. Portland might be better than them this year. Golden State, maybe. Phoenix, maybe. Could Phoenix, those three maybe. teams jump past them? Yes, yeah. I think that's a really good question, right? If they can't solve the defensive woes, then it's certainly an issue. Obviously, any sort of injury to Luka, their ceiling is much lower. I worry a bit about Porzingis. Like, one of the things that I think makes them so appealing is that, like, you're talking about a guy like Porzingis who's very different than everyone else too, but we have yet to get a full season out of Porzingis. Dwight Powell is coming off a very bad injury. 
And then, you know, you got some interesting cats on this roster, right? Like you, you get James Johnson, who I'm sure will be there for a lot, for this year, and maybe he'll have an opportunity to play some small ball five. Willie Cauley-Stein, is it just a goofball? Like he wants to shoot more threes? I don't know. So like at the five spot, do they not get a chance to play Porzingis at the five? Like this is a team that could win 42 games and underachieve, and Luka just puts up massive numbers, and nobody else – you know, Tim Hardaway had a really good year last year. There's no guarantee he – repeats that I would say it's more likely than not he does because playing with really good players makes other guys better but you know Tim Hardaway could have a bad year Josh Richardson could repeat a really woeful year as a perimeter shooter and I think that really matters so if that's the case and nobody else can get to the rim and no one else can score and it's all on Luka like yeah I could they could win 40 games I just think that given his ability as like a passer and his ability as an offensive player it seems like it seems like their range is like the same to 15 games better rather than like 10 games better to 10 games worse. Right. You know what I'm so saying? So you're saying like in terms of seeding, you think maybe the best case they get to like a second seed or something. And then worst case, maybe they fall to eight, maybe yeah, nine. It's it, hard to see that. It, but Well, given how much, how good the West is, right. And given how like, you know, Phoenix has improved. And like we said, Golden State should be better. Who knows how much better New Orleans should be better. Like Sacramento should be pretty good. Like the only really team, there's two teams in the West that I'd be pretty comfortable betting on not making the playoffs, right? And I think that's San Antonio and Oklahoma City. One, Oklahoma City's not trying to make the playoffs. And two, San Antonio, they'll be good, but like how good, right? So I just think with these teams, like we could have four or five teams that are just like right in the mix around like 42 to 45 wins and like Dallas could definitely be in that mix like and, and miss the playoffs because of it like you could just be the 10th seed right but so you, yeah but so seriously talking- Zan like if you were gonna bet like if I told you like you could bet Minnesota at like plus 900 to make the playoffs like you you might consider that bet right like there's a there's a world where Minnesota makes the playoffs I guess I don't know if I would make that bet but maybe I not Minnesota but point. I'm just saying there's a like, lot of teams like there's, there's a gonna lot be of teams one team that-, that catch lightning in a bottle for sure for sure and so when you're talking about Brooklyn, it was the other team similar in the sense that like you see the upside, like Luca could be the best player in the league next year. MVP wise, if Durant's back to healthy, he could be the best player in the MVP in the league next year. He could be MVP next year. Yeah. Durant plus 900 on Bovada to win MVP this coming season. So you're talking about upside. They could certainly be the one or two seat next year. If yeah, I mean, everything just clicks. I mean, Brooklyn, like Brooklyn has a much more clear, end of story than Dallas right because like Dallas could be the two seed and you know maybe they don't win the title like maybe Dallas wins like 58 games but like if if everything goes right in Brooklyn like it's gonna be I mean Milwaukee's good the Lakers are good the Clippers are good but like if if every little thing goes right in Brooklyn like and you get a ton from like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert as well and like DeAndre Jordan like shakes the rust off like this is conceivably the best team in the league i don't think that dallas has that type of ceiling right and then the thing i would say about brooklyn is it'll be the first year together but like remember when people were doubting the lakers last year and then it just like hey two it stars worked. equals a one seed it just and brooklyn has better depth they do um, than the lakers know, last year but what's sell me on like the 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 floor because i'm not even seeing much of a floor it, beside injuries like it, yeah, say so, irving and durant play 70 games what's the worst case scenario <laughs> so the the point about brooklyn's depth is quite interesting right because this is a group of guys that like Kyrie irving's going to play 75% of the regular season games right like that's just the bottom line like he's not playing 82 games like durant they're going to be careful with like he's probably not going to play but then you have like 
Spencer Dinwiddie, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Jeff Green, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton's pretty good. Like, they have a bunch of guys that can fill in. So I think the floor here, Zan, is that the personalities don't match. And we know at this point, like, as much as I'm an analytics guy and, like, you know, we tend, I, I tend to, like, poop on culture sometimes, like, they're, they could win games, right? Like, they could, let's say they, they go, they win 50 games but you just know something's not right, right? Like it's the Clippers of last year. Like I think right. that's that, the floor. That was I, exactly the comparison that you were leading to. And you got the, like the Clippers, look, the Clippers were a two seed last year. They were top five They were five really offense, good. Yeah. Top five they defense. Really everyone thought they're going to win the title. Maybe and not everyone, a lot of people. And then like those festering problems, personality and chemistry emerged in the playoffs. And you can see that again, like Dinwiddie's used to being, having the ball. Karis LeVert has been told he's the best player on a team for a while. How does he handle being this fifth best player on a team? I could see those like vulnerabilities at Achilles heel biting them early in like round two. Um, I don't like the Clippers last year. I think that's probably the worst case scenario. And then afterwards, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant start pointing fingers and then getting a bunch of people fired. Right. Which again, like this whole Steve Nash thing, we, we've talked about this at length and like, let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the, I guess like the win, the range for Steve Nash, right? Sorry. I couldn't think of that word, but it's like, the high end is like Steve Nash is Steve Kerr and he wins coach of the year and they win the title on the low end. It's like Steve Nash coaches the Brooklyn Nets for one year and it's a big flame out situation. He gets fired, he collects his money and then they're looking for a coach next year. And I, I don't, I don't say that thinking that's going to happen. I'm, I'm sure that's a very low end outcome. Like maybe it's a 5% outcome, but like there's a world where this just implodes and Steve Nash is like, I don't want to do this. Right. Like that exists with this group of guys. And I don't mean to say it as like Kyrie's a problem or like KD's a problem, but like, when you do have a lot of personalities, like that's one of the hardest things as a coach. Like we, we know that like there's years and years of evidence of that. And like Steve Nash might just say like, damn, like this is not what I signed up for. Right. And he might just find out that it's not for him. And like we talked about with Evan Turner, like Steve Nash has buckets and buckets of money in the bank and he maybe just doesn't want this level of stress. And so like for Brooklyn, it might be a situation where like they don't have a lot of continuity or like, I don't know, like, but you could see a negative scenario but it's hard to see this team at, at with with everyone healthy it's hard to see right. this team not winning but, 48 plus games and like, there's a really difference hard. between like missed time and, and just you know missing an aspect like if durant looks slow and he looks like kind of old dirk Nowitzki all of a sudden still a pretty good player a good player not great defender Kyrie irving's not a great defender maybe it's just like a middling playoff team I right think, and then it's just a matter of, is that mean Durant's like rounding back into form or is it just like a new version of Kevin Durant? It's just who just Durant is, yeah. And, and, and again, I think that's when like you'll see them play a team like the Bucks, or you'll see them play a team like, I don't know, the Celtics, right? Like younger teams who have some a very strong identity and like a ton of consistency and you'll watch them play a team like Brooklyn. And I think you could see this with the Clippers, right? Like the Clippers tried everything they could to like not beat the Mavs. Seriously, like in the playoffs, like they, they beat the Mavs just because they were a lot better than Dallas. Like they were more talented, like they were not better coached, like Doc didn't do a good job. But then like that reared its head in round two and they end up blowing a huge lead to the Nuggets. And I think like that's what you would probably end up seeing with this Brooklyn team where like you're looking at it and there's some cracks, there's some cracks when you're like, man, these guys are too good to lose. And then all of a sudden they lose and you're like, oh shit, like that makes sense, right? We lost to a team that's younger, a team that's hungrier, a team that has a, a pretty ingrained culture. And I think you see that happen from time to time. You know, I, I think a lot, this is the probably the, the ultimate example, but I think a lot about that like 2004 Lakers team, 
right? Like everyone well, just expected they'd be amazing. They had some injury problems. They had some personality problems. And all of a sudden, like Detroit comes in, they're just like the perfect team to knock them off, right? They're not nearly as good, but it just... You see like the respect for the upside, even on Bovada, yeah. they're plus 500 to win the title. It's the second highest. I had and are Milwaukee, they really? Wow. Yeah. I had a Milwaukee Clippers, both of about 600. Boston and Miami are about, you know, 15 to one. Um, poor Toronto, 28 to one, never gets much respect, but they're good, man. They're good. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't certainly not bet that, but I could see a, a scenario where that happens. Absolutely. Do, do you and see then, a scenario where this Brooklyn roster makes it through the season intact? And I don't mean that in the sense of like everyone stays healthy. Like, is there, are we, do we think it's like a hundred percent that like Karis Levert and like, I, I'm assuming they gave Joe Harris $75 million in free agency. Like he's not going to get traded, but like, They've they've dangled Spencer Dinwiddie some. They've dangled Levert some. Like Jared Allen's an intriguing piece. Like surely one of those three young guys gets moved, if not all three of them, for James Harden at like you know week two of the season. Who knows? But like, well, that's why the Clippers comparison is so scary because it's like it was a problem that wasn't you know like a foundational problem that they didn't realize at the time because the benefit of Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell is like it allows you to buy some time and t- take games off for your stars. And I think having Dinwiddie and Levert helps the Nets in the same way. And then you don't even realize there's a problem until you have to get to the playoffs and you have to jam all those guys on the court together. And you realize, like, this doesn't really work. We're not used to playing together. We're used to, like, taking turns. Yeah. And well, I don't want to get too, like, in the conspiracy theory weeds. I do think Trez coming back out of shape played a big part of it, right? Like, I, I do think that, like, maybe at full strength, had he been playing the entire time, like maybe he wouldn't have been as much of a negative as he was. He probably cost himself 30 to $40 million too, which maybe not, I don't know, but given some of the contracts that got given out. Definitely. If they would have won the title, he would have gotten overpaid. Right. And And so if you look at Brooklyn, like how freaking scary is this lineup? uh, It's It's like you're guarding Kyrie Irving, forget Karis LeVert, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, and Kevin Durant on the perimeter. It's like, geez. A little no, the worst part about that is the team's probably better if Durant plays the four, right? Yeah. Like the team's probably better if you play LeVert, Joe Harris, and Kyrie, or like Dinwiddie in there, and then Durant's the four. Like their small lineup is terrifying to me. Like to absolutely terrifying. Like if they go, let's say they go Kyrie, Dinwiddie, LeVert, Joe Harris, Durant or like Tory and Prince Durant. I don't really like Tory Prince that much. But, but like it shows you the difference between, you know, everyone's a shooter nowadays. Like um Josh Richardson's a shooter, but it's like not really. He's like a league average shooter. And there's such a big difference between a guy like that and a guy who's gonna hit forty percent from three like consistently. And Brooklyn has three of those guys. And the team we're gonna talk about next has they used to have three of those guys and they have one remaining, I guess, is Golden State. Oh yeah, Golden State. How, man, it stinks. Like, I've seen some people still pick them to finish third in the West. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about Bovada, they're the seventh highest odds, sixteen to one. So higher than Dallas, who we talked about. Higher than Houston. Higher than Denver. Higher. Those, than- that's this. They're the seventh highest odds overall mm-hmm. to win the title. That's insane. I would love to book somebody's action on that. Call me up. I I just don't I, I just don't see it, man. Like. Steph Curry's 32 years old. We're a year and a half removed from the last time he played like meaningful basketball, right? It was basically the finals and he was very good in the finals. But like, I mean, where is 50 wins for this team? Like 55 wins. Right. Like, so you're wait. talking about, look at the depth chart. You have Steph Curry. Great. Hall of Whatever Famer. Um, 
Brad Wanamaker they signed as a backup. He's fine. Um, good backup. And then it's just a, you know, Jamon Green who played poorly last year. James most Weissman's important, most important hard. player in the in the history of the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green. That's but the said. thing that's so interesting is like so many wings that like look Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Kent Bazemore. Like these guys haven't been on winning teams in a while. Yeah, and like I, what do you get from that? Jordan Poole was horrific last year, and like he's going to be their starting two or their backup two. Like Jordan Poole was terrible last year. Like it's 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 so funny to me. Like. This is you're, you're totally giving a ton of respect, and and it's it's well deserved. Okay, like Steph Curry and Draymond Green are both tremendous players. Steph Curry, first ballot Hall of Famer. Like I think Draymond Green will end up as a Hall of Famer, but like, what are we like? Are at this point like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre like who they're supposed to be? Like that doesn't exist anymore, Zan. Like you know what I mean? Like I, that may seem like rude to say, but like we're just expecting those guys to be like. Well, they're all like, they're the kind of guys that's like, you know, it's like you go to Paris and you, you meet a, a fashion model who's 24. It's like, that sounds young, but like, you know what? That's like kind of used up like in the fashion world. Like that's like, you're supposed to be, you know, big time at 15. Right. And not I feel like Andrew not Wiggins 15, is like, hopefully, but yeah. Well, no, that's when they start like booking jobs and stuff. Right. But like and, as at a 22 year old, you're booking like the most of your jobs, right? Like you're going to, your earnings potential is like up, up, up. And then it's down. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And Wiggins the same way where it's like, he's probably 24, but he's been in the league for seven or eight years and it's just like you probably are who you are at this point right and you know they 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 bring back kent baysmore like eric pascal was quite good as a rookie although it was a terrible team so it's hard to say like will he be good again marquise chris i don't know about kevon looney it's been about a year and and i think that there's a lot of question marks with this warriors team but what i do think about this warriors team is you know i I think they're going to play the game the right way i think the style that they play is very interesting to insert Wiggins and Kelly Oubre into where there's a lot of space. There's not a ton of decisions for them to make, but they do have to move the ball. They they will have an opportunity to kind of use their size and their length. I'd be worried about this team more. On the, and, and we haven't even really mentioned James Wiseman just because I don't anticipate Wiseman being like a ready-made NBA five man. Like I know what people are saying, but like, again, James Wiseman is essentially in the same boat as Steph Curry in the sense that like, we haven't seen James Wiseman play basketball in a year. Like when, when are, when yeah. are we, these guys that we're expecting to just have like big years. I, I think the Warriors could legitimately be a 35 win team. It's, yeah. it's, I'm not saying that that's what no, I'm No, I agree. And you're saying healthy and I agree with you. And it's Zach Lowe made the point too on his podcast recently where it's like, look, I, this is how I feel. Last year I picked Steph Curry to win MVP. Cause I'm like, Steph Curry Give him the green light, have him shoot 15 threes a game. He could be like the most impactful player in the league. But what Zach Lowe was talking about, which I tend to agree, is like, as the only option, can he get through the season healthy? Can he not wear down? You know, it's just like, it just seems really hard to put that much of a burden on him when you don't have another guy who's going to be, you know, a reliable, efficient scorer. I mean, that's what you're expecting. Andrew Wiggins to be right like we, we've seen his shot selection improve like we've seen his motor turn off and on to get you excited but like in keeping Andrew Wiggins and drafting James Wiseman it seems like they're trying to be a bit better defensively and establish Wiggins as that second scorer for them right like that's the well and, and it sucks yeah I know you're a huge Draymond guy but like you're paying a guy a max and you're like I can't rely on him to do much offensively that's just such well, like a I mean, I know he's a good offensive player. You're, you're supposed, yeah, superior shooting, but 
when you don't, when you you have to take like a trash roster, like make chicken soup. What's it called? <laughs> chicken salad out of chicken s or whatever the expression is. I have is. no Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard that expression before, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it was on Hard Knocks once. And uh I just don't think was it I Anthony mean, Lynn. I wrote down everything Anthony Lynn said for the entire season because I thought he was the best. No, it was a third string backup for I think Cincinnati quarterback, and he's like, "That you have to be more productive." He's like, "You're putting me out there with guys who can't play. Like, how am I supposed to do well?" Um, and the coach is like, "You're right, buddy." And then they cut him anyway. They cut him anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, the classic hard knocks. But wow. I, I mean, I I could see like Steve Kerr. I, I, here's the thing with Draymond, right? And Draymond. Draymond's a lot of talking. Like, you know, he's done some – we've talked about him as an analyst. He was pretty good. Like, he's been on a bunch of podcasts. He's he's very proud of Draymond Green, and he should be. But, you know, it, we we need to see, like, 12, 8, and 6 again. Like, it, it needs to happen, or, like, the, the ballot of Draymond Green is kind of over, Zan. Like, and I've been – yeah, and I don't big think of a, defensively, I don't think he's at the same level anymore. Yeah, and and I would I see this this is the problem. Like this speaks to like a larger problem, and I, I don't want to like go way down the rabbit hole. And he did. He averaged eight, six, and six last year. By the way, twenty eight yeah, points. I mean, come on, but he's not a scorer. That's I mean, off the top of your head, can you tell me what Draymond's career high in points is per, in the points in the season? I, I'm looking it up. So he did have one good year. Where he averaged 14, fourteen. But, it's like, but like. But if He's I'm paying you $25 million a year, I don't want you to be P.J. Tucker out there. I need you to do stuff. That's, but that's who – well, he's better than P.J. Tucker in the sense that, like, if he's as good as P.J. Tucker defensively, he's better offensively. Like, P.J. Tucker just makes corner threes and keeps spacing. But, like, Draymond makes plays for guys. Like, that's what he does. But I will say, like, Draymond's now 30, right? Yeah. When you draft a guy like Draymond who was a college senior and you know that he has a bad body, like, those guys might only have – six right. great he's years 30, he's 30 going on like 34 yeah he looks so, old. so i don't I, i'm not saying that i i would expect draymond to be done i think he will have a better year i think i think playing with steph curry just makes you better but whether draymond is like one of the five best defensive players in the nba which is what truly set him apart that he transformed what they did defensively like you know, without Clay Thompson, without another lockdown perimeter guy and like maybe trying to play next to a true five man like if he can't do that you know, that, that's going to put a ceiling on what this Warriors team can do because they need that from Draymond this year. And, and you're right, right well, Dan. And, you haven't seen the, it from him in a year, at least. And I think it's kind of damning in a way that they took Wiseman. Because to me, that shows you, like, yeah, I, you know, I, we can't really play Draymond at the five. And since we're going to have to play him at power forward, that means you're, you're going to have two guys you can't shoot at the four and five. Right, because the thing with Draymond before, right, was you could play him at the five because he could guard guys that posted him up. He was a tremendous post-up defender, but he also was an unbelievable player against pick and roll. And last year, he was fine against fives in post-up situations, and he was way worse in space. And that's the big concern, I think, at least, right? Yeah. Well, so we're saying upside, downside. So I agree with you. The downside is they're healthy and they still miss the playoffs. They just miss the playoffs. Yeah, they just miss the Upside, playoffs. I don't see the title upside right now. Like I you, I think I it's like think so a four either. seed. I don't know. Yeah, it seems wild to that they are the seventh. What did you say they were? They have the seventh best seventh odds best to win the title? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like this team is the same as like, like would you put, let, let's say, for lack of this this is just a you know hypothetical argument it's probably bad radio but like would you put them in the same tier as like philly toronto miami boston i i don't even know that i think they're that good well i just don't see even the path to the title like, no, no, i'm not i'm not saying that I'm, right I'm saying no but you know what i mean like what's the 
Steph Curry's the best player on the planet. Yeah, maybe Steph Curry averages forty a game. But and even that doesn't even seem with that, even if you know, I don't like it'd be like James Harden. Like this is, I just don't see them having a title worthy right, cast. I mean, like their best case scenario is like Wiggins blows up and he's like, even like a Demar Derozan. You know, he could be that, right? Like, that should be good enough to make the playoffs. I don't know if he can be that, man. DeMar DeRose is pretty good for a guy that plays his style. Like, Wiggins would be lucky to play like that, I think, where you just know you can give it to Wiggins down the stretch and he can make plays. Like, because people don't like the way that DeMar plays is one thing, but, like, DeMar DeRose, like, makes plays when you need him to. Like, he's a winner in that sense, I think. Although I will take the over on – I saw some Warriors fans on Reddit being, like, predicting James Weissman's total. I mean, like he'll average seven points, three rebounds, be buried. I'm like, I think they need him. I think they need him to play. He has to play. And, you know, it's young. He's young. But, like, DeAndre Ayton is better skilled-wise, you know, in terms of his offense. But he averaged, like, 16 and 10 right away. Like, it's possible to go out there and and be pretty productive. Without a jump shot? But you say we haven't seen him in a year and a half. What if he's working? Right, he could be making jump. I I mean, that was what I heard, that teams were impressed with – this work ethic and whatnot. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Warriors do with like a, a true, true five man. Cause we haven't really seen that from them in a while. Like we've seen it before. Yeah. Like they played Bogut, you know, they played Verjao, whatever, but like, it's always well, that's been, like the like, sort of like recipe is like, if he's good, let's say he's like Deandre Ayton good or Joel Embiid good, you know, in a few years, it's like, then you need to guard him with a big man. And then yeah. you could put Steph Curry switching on that guy. Yeah. And then like, that's the one, two punch. It's just hard to imagine right away. And it's like, will their timelines match up? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 it's, it's a good, it's a really good question. And, and like I said, I, I would, this is the one team that I would like to fade if I could, right. Just right now from what we know, like if I was given an opportunity to bet against them making the playoffs, hint, hint, Bovada, I would probably bet against them in I just think the West is loaded and as maybe I'm being disrespectful to Steph Curry you know I think the world of Steph Curry like I think he's probably underrated as far as all-time greats go but like I just don't like the rest of this roster man I just don't like it I like, don't even either. with even I mean, with Clay, you... I think we probably would have convinced ourselves that they were gonna be a lot better and I, right. I think there's some real problems I really do right and it like you I use like the James Harden like who you know you think is one of the best players? I think top five for sure. Offensive machine. If you put him on this roster, I think they would struggle to make the playoffs too. They, I just think they, it's limited. They'd probably be a little bit better, and because that's like the opposite. That's like the Zach Lowe argument, right? Like we know James Harden can play a full season and do this every game. Like we know it, right, Zam? Like we know that James Harden is built for that. We don't know that Steph Curry's built for that because even in his best in his back-to-back MVP years, like he had a lot of help, and I'm not, and they were good because of him, obviously. But well, yeah, you know, and you also saw it, like you know, hey, and a lot of excuses were made for him pre KD in the playoffs, like wearing down in the playoffs when guys would really focus on him. Yeah, and that was five years ago. So <laughs> let's never, see. I will never forget in the and and I I do believe that he was injured in 2015, but I also believe that like everybody is injured at that point in the season, except for like LeBron because he's a cyborg, whatever. But I'll never forget in those finals, like game seven, you're just waiting for Steph Curry to go off, and there was like a point in the fourth quarter where he got Tristan Thompson switched onto him, and he couldn't go by Tristan Thompson, and he had to take like two bad threes, and I was like, man, this is this is a tough sell for like this guy's the best player in the NBA if he's not like really injured. And and that was Steph Curry five years ago, you know? Yeah. And it sucks that we may never see him and clay together in the same way. It was yeah. probably the most fun basketball to watch just because it was like, 
so eye popping. Like and it's you know, his long lifelong basketball. Before season. before Kevin Durant got there, like those two years of the Warriors were like basketball purist like just so fun they were great like it does remind me of patrick mahomes in the sense like patrick mahomes could be down by 20 and i still think he's gonna win they don't win when is he down by 20 they've lost one game in like 12 months well weren't they down 20 against tennessee in the playoff last year it was 24 nothing right it was either 24 but like i felt that way even in the game where Kawhi leonard got hurt um, and everyone's like, the Spurs are going to win. I'm like, I thought the Golden State was going to win gonna that win. game. Yeah. I mean, they always had these stretches, like in the third, where they just go crazy. But, but it's uh, it's funny. Like Patrick Mahomes is a good kind of comparison to this because, like, you have to be able to have staying power with like multiple rosters, right? Like Tom Brady has six titles because he won basically three titles with one team and then three titles with another team, right? Like that was kind of how he did it over the course of his career. Like Steph Curry, we never, we haven't really gotten a chance to see them like flip the roster over and see if he can be that kind of like transcendental star, right? Because like with Mahomes, it's super easy to say that we think like the Chiefs are just going to win the Super Bowl every year, right? But it doesn't work that way. Like guys get hurt, guys go to other teams, and it and that's kind of how the NBA is. It's different than the NFL where teams just reload every year. Like yeah. the West, for the longest time, we were like, man, who's going to beat the Warriors? And now I'm looking at the West and I'm like, there's. 10 good teams in the West. Well, like, maybe that's why I give LeBron credit where he realizes how hard he just that is. And retools. Like, yeah. Because yeah, it keeps shifting down the river. Um, okay. So Golden State has huge variance. Who could possibly have higher range than them? And we said number one, we both had them on our list. Clearly, the Atlanta Hawks. They, you know, bad team last year, one of the worst teams, but they added Ronda. They added Chris Dunn. They added Bogdan Bogdanovich. They added Danilo Gallinari and Yeko Kongwu in the draft. Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill. Clint Capella came over halfway through last year. So it's like a roster. Hasn't played a game with them yet, though. So they're about like 10 deep, right? I mean, like, what do you think of this team? Yeah. I am bullish on the Hawks. I don't know. The East is pretty good, too, now, right? Like, Indiana's pretty good. Like, Boston's good. Toronto's good. Like, we talked about Brooklyn. We know how good Milwaukee is. We know how good we think Philly is. Like, I like this Atlanta team. I think that. I told you before, this might have been a year ago even, that there was some rumors about like whether or not you could win with Trey Young as your best player. And I think the guys in Atlanta were kind of like, well, he's putting up these crazy numbers, but like maybe at the end of the day, Trey Young's not Steph Curry in the sense that like he can be your best player and win a title. Right. Maybe that exists. And then what they went out and did was they they drafted all these young guys, like they drafted a bunch of like quote unquote like two-way wings, and then they were just awful last year. Like their rookie class was bad. Cam Reddish was better towards the end of the year, but like Hunter wasn't great, Reddish not super good. Kevin Herter was probably their best wing. And then this year in free agency, like they trade for Clint Capella first. He hasn't played a game for them yet. Then they draft Okongwu, and then in free agency they go get Danilo Gallinari to back up John Collins. They've been very adamant about that. And then they're one of the few teams left with cap space, and they're kind of just like, all right, we're gonna shoot our shot. And they go sign Bogdanovich to a $72 million deal and couple that with Chris Dunn and Rondo. Like, you now have 10 guys that thanks you Thanks for repeating play. that. Some people don't listen when I talk, and you're one of them. So thanks for repeating all the information. No, no, but, but, what my, but my point is, like, the reason that they went about it was, like, they, so they go in and they make these deals because it's like, all right, now we have a second unit, right? The team fell off a cliff when Trey Young didn't play offensively. So now you have Rondo, who I don't believe in. But you've got Gallinari, you've got Bogdanovich as guys that can be secondary creators. Like, those are going to be second unit guys. Bogdanovich will probably start. But then you've also got Chris Dunn, who's probably better served as more of a combo. But, like, he's a guy that can play next to 
Rondo and next to Trey Young, and he can guard your best perimeter player, right? You've still got Kevin Herter, who's a long wing who can make shots. Like, and then you've still got Reddish and Hunter. Plus, you've got this glut of five men. Like, they have so many guys. My biggest concern is like, what do they do with all of them, right? It it, it well, seems like they have the two kind of teams. Team. Hey, this is maybe the kind of year that helps them in the sense that, like, if people are dealing with COVID and depth becomes more important, maybe that helps them. You know, regular season depth always matters more. If their goal is to make the playoffs, they put themselves in a position to do that. I mean, they certainly have the talent. I don't know why you wouldn't consider them better than Indiana, right? Like, this team seems like they're as good on paper as Indiana is. Maybe they're as good on paper as Toronto is. I don't don't know that I think it's high praise to put anyone in the same breath as Nick Nurse, so I'm certainly not going to put Lloyd Pierce there. But, like, on paper, this team is not a ton worse than Toronto. Yeah, if you like a good coach would look at this roster and like I have all the ingredients I need here. Um, Do you and, think they're not a title contender? No, no, no. I mean, they're so young that, that right. I wouldn't say this year. But in terms of like, if you're bringing like Gallinari off the bench and you know DeAndre Hunter off the bench and Kevin Herter off the bench, like those are all good players. Yeah, here, here's what I don't like about this team. Okay, and there's a number of things I don't, but this is the main one. Rondo and Gallinari make zero sense for this team's timeline, right? So I, I don't know what the deal is. Cause like, and, and I think it's fine. Like we've talked about this before, like teams, you don't have to be either a title contender or a rebuilding team. Like you don't need to be like that. But like you sign Gallinari, he's on a three-year deal. There were times last year he looked washed, right? Like he's not the same guy he was in LA two years ago. He, he's still a very good player. He's, he can't guard threes anymore, but he's capable as a foreman and he's still good on offense. Rondo, two years, 15 million. Like we've talked about it. You don't know what you're getting from this guy at the end of the day, right? They put playoff incentives into his contract because I think they want to make sure that like he wastes the playoffs, right? Because that's when he's good. But like, why would you sign Rondo? Like, why are you signing two of these guys that like this is maybe their last contract? Because like if it goes south, like those two guys are probably going to want to get traded to contenders. And so like... Well, you know what the Rondo signing reminds me of? Have you ever been in a grocery store where... Like your bill comes out to twenty nine oh three, and you're like, ah, oh three is annoying. Let me throw in like a you know penny candy in here or something to get it up, you know, even number. You know, like I feel like that was never. The sort I've of, never done that before, but I have been in a place where they ask if I want to donate like around the, the change, the money, the around the change to a dollar. Yeah, like I've been there, and I. But it's like this is weird though because there were people reporting that Rondo was going to go to the Hawks like five days before free agency started. Yeah, and they gave him seven and a half million a year. Like he's not better than Chris Dunn. Like I don't care what anybody says. Chris Dunn's like one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And that guy's on a two year, $10 million deal. Like it's, it's wild the way defensive first players are viewed in the free agency light. And then like, but then the Hawks go and take a Kongwu too. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen with Cam Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter. And like, they they claim they're going to give John Collins an extension, but like, why would you do that if you sign Gallinari? Like what is going on with this team? Like, that's where I, I think like on paper, I like all these players and in NBA 2K, it'd be really fun to play with, but like, this is not, it would NBA be really, 2K. I mean, think about this kind of lineup. If they have Trey young and then they say, you know what? F defense, let's put John Collins at the five, Gallinari at the four. And then two shooters around. Yeah, Her- like Herter and Bogdanovich, and yeah. then Trey Young. Like that team, that that team is gonna they're gonna score points in bunches this year. Whether or not they are gonna be able to defend, like I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I, I, you gotta think that, like. But so we we're talking about range. So we're t- kind of talking ourselves into like this is like the eighth seed, 
end of sentence. They could be sentence. better than that. They could be better than that. So yeah, well, what's their downside? Like they don't play defense. Yeah, they can't get stops, right? Like, and do you think they're gonna? They could certainly miss the playoffs. I can't imagine them winning could. less than thirty, right? They 35. could miss the playoffs. They could miss the playoffs. Like with the amount of good teams that are like, I think they're very clearly better than. Without knowing how healthy John Wall is, I think they're better than Charlotte. I think they're better than Detroit. I think they're better than Orlando, and I think they're better than Washington. Right, and those would be your primary. Those would be all your opposition, pretty much, for the eighth spot. So I think they're very clearly better than those teams, knowing what we know today. They also have protected themselves against injury. Right, they can afford to lose any player on the roster, with the exception of Trey Young. If Trey Young is healthy the entire year, they can afford to lose anybody. I think. But you've got to think that one of Capella or Okongwu is going somewhere, right? Like, it doesn't make sense to have both those guys on the team. It doesn't really make sense to have Collins and Gallinari, and, like, Collins is going to want a big extension. So my fear is, like, this is a one-year kind of trial, and, like, they have all these players, and they're going to ship out whoever to try to get better, which is good. But, like, they're probably going to wreck development for Reddish or Hunter, one of the two. I'd assume it'll be DeAndre Hunter. And so and like, that's, that's a big pivot. That's like sort of like, hey, we're, we're worried about a job. Let's accelerate the time. Right. And I, I think they were worried about Trey Young, honestly. And I think they were like, well, we need to put guys around him who can score. And we need to have a situation where we have guys on the second team that when Trey Young sits, we don't just lose every game. Because that is really what happened. Like, Well, I have a question for you. So how good, so they were 20 and 47 last year. Trey Young played most of the year. So there's no real injury excuse. Like how fast can this turn around? Like, can I would you, bet can, on that. I would bet on them to win the most games more than they than any team won last year. Like the biggest improvement. Correct. I, I would bet on them to have like a round of twenty. And it's again, it's super weird because didn't play eighty two games last year. Going to play more games this year than they did last year because they didn't make the bubble. But like, I would expect them to have somewhere in the neighborhood of a twenty win improvement over last year. That I would. I would. I think with this roster, assuming. The coaching staff figures it out. There's no reason to think that they won't. They haven't had these conversations. They're young. Like they've got, I mean, they, they check really every box. I guess they, they don't really have like Hunter and Reddish are not really big enough wings to like really be big time, like wing defensive stoppers. If you play like the Clippers or the Lakers or somebody like that. But like, other than that, like they check just about every box man. and I think that's the one thing you want. Like they have a superstar. They got a bunch of other guys they can shoot. They got some guys that can protect the rim. They've got some other guys that can create. I think this team should go from 20 wins to 45 wins, I think. Well, then the, and then that puts a lot of pressure on Trey Young because it's like, hey, there was, I don't know if you noticed, I don't think we talked about the draft. There was sort of an emphasis um, against, or bias against like thin guys, you know, yep. like the Tyrell Terry drop, the Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton dropped. dropped, yeah. And just because of the defense, and it's just like, he may be, you know, Isaiah Thomas is still putting up numbers, but he's not even in the league anymore. And obviously he's old and hurt, but maybe like that just doesn't work. Like people, teams are like, Hey, I just can't have a liability like this kid. And you know, like the Trey young in Oklahoma, he didn't even win 20 games. They were like 18 and 14 and just looked it up. Like, is it possible that like, he's just such a liability that he will, I mean, he will never be able to cover from? I mean, that was, that was what I said before. That was the first thing I, when I, mentioned that like we talked about this a year ago like that was kind of what I heard Atlanta's front office was grappling with was like if you have a guy that's this bad defensively can you ever be as good as you think with him like he might be the best offensive player in the NBA but if he's the worst defensive player like and he's just a net neutral guy like 
I think that's the biggest yeah, part. I'm, I'm inclined to believe in guys like this or Devin Booker. Just because like, hey, we heard that about Steph Curry. Steph Curry originally, right? But he became an okay defender. Like, Yeah, but they, they also they, like... Yeah, they put a great defensive team around. Right. And they got rid of Monte Ellis, which was a problem, I think. But when we'll maybe see that this year. Is Steph Curry going to have liabilities? And he's also bigger. He's, you know, a couple inches bigger than Trey Young. Yeah, that, that's the other thing, right? Like, we kind of just act like Trey Young is like 6'3", 200 pounds. And like, Steph Curry is like a fairly long 6'3". Like, that is not who Trey Young is. Like, he's smaller than that. But he is, he's such a, he's more of a gifted passer than Steph is. You know, Steph is a really good passer, but like, Trey Young is a fantastic passer. And I think that like, having guys around him that they accelerated his timeline, right? Like Trey wants to win. This has always been kind of how he is. Like he's a gym rat. Like he, he wants guys around him that want to win. Like getting those veterans in there, like Rondo and Gallinari make a little bit more sense because it, it kind of pushes your DeAndre hunters and your cam radishes and your Kevin Herders and your Clint Capella's like it, it pushes them to want to win more when you say like, Oh, we're taking this seriously this year. Right. Yeah. And we have seen teams like make giant leaps before with presuming that that they're anchored by like a generational, not generational, or even like a high level talent. Like Durant's Thunder jumped like 20 wins. Even Mavericks last year jumped like 15 wins. So it's possible. Yeah. I I told you, I think that like, I think it's crazy that Trey Young is not on the Bovada board for MVP. Like, I, I am not saying that like, I definitely think he should be the MVP favorite, but I definitely think considering the numbers he's going to put up and the improvement that the Hawks are going to have, because like really being a competent NBA team night in and night out would be an improvement for the Hawks. Like this strikes me as very similar to Jason Kidd going to New Jersey, where all of a sudden like the team is so much better and the guy that you have makes everyone around them better. And it's like, Oh, well the point guard's the reason why, right? Same thing, Steve Nash and Phoenix, where it's like, what's the big difference here. And it's going to be that like Trey Young's been good the last two years, but all of a sudden he has other people around him and you start to really recognize they're winning games. And that's, and you know, award voters are stupid, right? Like award voters are one twice. Yeah. So I just uh-huh. think that I, I just like, think well, that like, because of a narrative, I mean, he's good, but he's a little bit of a narrative there. But we, um, but we know that that's Trey Young's thing too. Like his dad's on Twitter, like he's on Twitter, like it's a big deal for him to like get noticed. And I just, I just feel like if we see Trey Young averaging, you know, 28 and 12 and shooting 43% from three and the Hawks end up as like the five seed, like that is the type of thing that I would expect to see Trey Young finish in the top five of the MVP. Yeah, if not that's higher. a good point. And I think, that's why when we I, we listed number one, that's the sort of the logic is like they could like Phoenix is another team we considered. They could be the five seed. It wouldn't shock me. Um, but Atlanta has a lower ceiling. Like maybe it just doesn't work, and these guys are fundamentally flawed, and they finish at the twelve seed again. I mean, it's something like that could happen. It definitely could. And I think if you look at that, it's like are you giving too many minutes to John Collins? Like is John Collins playing too much with a guy like Capella or a guy like a Kongwu? Like do you, you know, are you playing DeAndre Hunter too much? Like, is Chris Dunn just not a fit next to Rondo and you need to make sure he only plays with Trey Young? And that's that's the that's the downside, Zan, of having the shorter offseason, right? You just don't have as much time to vet your lineup versatility as you would before. Like, we know Trey Young's playing a lot of minutes, but that's the only thing we really know, right? Like, we know Gallinari's backing up John Collins. Does that mean John Collins is playing 33 minutes a game again? Does that mean Bogdanovich is definitely starting at the two? Like, we don't know any of that. 
And so well, you know what's interesting? This, I mean, if you want to be a Hawks cheerleader, this is an argument. The last two teams, Dalano or Garanari, Dalanello, Danilo, Danilo Garanari. There we go. Uh, it's like a tongue twister. Has played for two years ago with the Clippers, and they overachieved their preseason expectation by eleven games and made the playoffs that year. You know, they went to the playoffs with a kind of a mediocre roster. The next year, Oklahoma City overachieved by about twelve games based on the preseason expectation. So like, is this a team that could just take be better than you think? Cause people like Gallinari are better than the average person thinks. Yeah. And I mean, it's giving Gallinari all the credit for Oklahoma city seems. Gallinari for MVP. I think. So, I, I like Danilo Gallinari. I was very, very surprised, like very surprised he went to Atlanta, which must mean that he feels that Atlanta gives him a chance to win. Cause like he's at that stage in his career, Zan, where like he's probably not making decisions where he's just going to be on a team that like isn't going to be competitive, right? Like he didn't make the choice for. I don't know. I, that's another like Reddit thing. I heard so many people like Gallinari will sign with the for the mid level because he wants to win. I'm like, no one wants to win that badly. Okay, if you if you're offering me twenty million, you'll go play in Siberia. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Like I, I think his guys make a lot of money, right? Like they don't necessarily think that way, like he took a deal that I thought was below market too, by the way, like three for 61. He got it done quickly in Atlanta. Like why there had to be somebody else that would offer it. I mean, fucking Gordon Hayward got 30 million a year. Like you're telling me Gallinari had to take the first $20 million deal offered to him. You know, the Hawks have a player named Charlie Brown. Yeah. He played at St. Joe's, I think. Yeah. That's like one of the rare, I, I, how many players in the league? I think I know 98% of the players. Charlie Brown is somebody I just learned about. I mean, the Hawks roster is just, it's just great. Like it's the perfect like NBA 2K roster. You just can play super small and like run a bunch of shooters around people. And then like, then they have like Bruno Fernando, which makes no sense. So I don't know, man. I I think that the Hawks are super interesting this year because it's unfair in year three to say that it's a real like prove it year for Trey Young because of his resume. Right. And and it's, for some reason, Trey Young is always probably going to have his like people that like the Luca fans are always going to talk about how Trey Young sucks because like Luca was traded for Trey Young and the Trey Young like stands are going to say that like he's as good as Luca, which is very clearly not true. But like this team is way better than they've been, and so like if Trey Young doesn't lead them to like a much better record, I think it's fair to ask questions about what you were saying earlier. Like, is he good enough? And so I think that like. That's the most interesting thing to me with this Atlanta team is that at a certain point. Well, the most interesting thing to me is now become Charlie Brown because. Do they have I was a player in my named head. Linus? Well, here's the, the twist. So calling yourself Charlie Brown is like a choice, right? Like you could go by Charles Brown. Chuck Brown. And then here's a little twist about Charlie Brown. Look him up. Charlie Brown Jr. for the Hawks. His hair is half black and he dyed the other half like a blonde orange like Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown has that black and orange. The shirt, you're saying? No, yeah. Did he do a zigzag in his hair? No, he's got to really embrace it now because he could he could be on the bench a lot if he's on the in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't even see him on the roster. <laughs> uh, he was know. on the team last year. Maybe maybe he's not. Yeah, because team. they because they had like a bunch of guys that like they needed. It's a little too much Charlie Brown Jr. talk. You're saying? Yeah, Charlie Brown. He played ten games last year. You know, Chandler Parsons was on their team last year, too, and he uh, got married this past uh, weekend. So 
Chandler Parsons stays in the news. All right. I don't think we need to go into our like other quick hitters. We talked about Washington. Things go yeah, bad really quickly. Like, yeah, they could trade stuff. Beal, which would ship it. We could see like DeMarcus Cousins and like Russell Westbrook getting a fist fight in Houston. That could be pretty fun, right? Like that's exciting. In Houston, it's like if they keep their roster, it's they seem pretty They should be pretty good, right? Phoenix, yeah. I think, is better phoenix is a better bet to be good i think than like atlanta is like we talk about like rosters that have improved like it's just much more likely to put your faith in chris paul coming and having a 10 game winning improve a 10 10 win improvement than it is like gallinari and bogdan bogdanovich right i I think that phoenix should very safely be a playoff team well and that's why we look forward to these teams that have high variance because i don't want to say it's like baseball predictable but all the advanced stats, so you know, you know, hey, Charlotte overachieved last year. They should regress, but maybe, you know, because they added guys, they'll improve a little bit, so they'll stay about the same. Like, it's like there's too much like math, and like we've kind of figured out rankings and stats to in wins and losses too easily. So these teams actually might surprise us either way, which is fun. All right. I have one question for you. Actually, I have two questions for you to end the show. We're, let's continue our crossover for a second. If you had to pick a team to win the NFC East today, who would you pick? NFC East? Yeah, so Daniel Jones, they just reported that Daniel Jones is going to miss some time. So we got Colt McCoy starting for the Giants. We got Alex Smith starting for the 4-7 and seven Washington football team. The Giants are technically in first place. The Eagles play tonight. By the time this airs, we'll know if they won. But they're 3-6-1, and one, I think, playing the Seahawks. And then uh, – Dallas has your boy Andy Dalton, who you said wasn't washed, but uh, pretty clearly is. Bad. And, so, and Carson Wentz, you've you've converted me to the dark side. I mean, if he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't have a good game against the Seahawks, it's just over. Like if he can't play well against like the one of the worst passing defenses in the league, who knows? But I would say either Washington or the Giants. I would lean towards. The, the I don't fo- think Colt McCoy is that bad. The so football team's the not that bad, though. The football team's not that bad. Like it's, no. I mean, the, the, all these teams suck, and they're going to end up playing like either like. Shout the, out to Chris. Honestly, shout out to Chris Hordell from NBA. I mean, the underdog, the main guy, because he told me Antonio Gibson for the Redskins was his big draft sleeper, and he's done. He was well. very good. He had a great game in Thanksgiving, and then I want to ask if it matters and if anyone can beat Kansas City if Mahomes is healthy. No, I would. I would. They're be so very good. confident taking Kansas City. It's like it's like a joke. Like Pittsburgh's like ten and zero, and I think I think like Kansas City should be favored by like a touchdown on a neutral field. Yeah, they're so right. good. Um, Shout out, actually, the Underdog Network. I think we're coming back. We were renewed for season two. MTV Challenge accepted with Dondrick and Zandrick. Talk about the MTV show, yeah, The maybe, Challenge, the best show on TV. So maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get Dondrick on for like twenty minutes next week to do a little crossover and preview. So. <laughs> the challenge we're trying to get you into it so, you convinced so the, me about carson wentz but i can't so, even convince you to watch the challenge. well it's the challenge season 97 and it's called double agents and i saw a preview on tv today i saw that wes is in it ct's in it i would assume ct's probably like a quadruple agent like at some point he's gonna be working for a team that's not even been revealed yet but well, i understand because uh, we'll it's pre- like it's maybe one we'll of those preview shows. The show. we'll preview the season a little bit before because you're gonna are you gonna do a preview episode i think so i think we're gonna okay. try to squeeze one in but okay. i think I, I hear this all the time from people like you it's like 
it's seasons, you know, whatever, 40 of the challenge. I'm well, you don't have to, it. you don't have to have watched any of the other seasons. Well, that's not, what I'm saying. I think one. a lot of people get turned off by the idea. Like, I don't know the characters. I don't really follow. It's like, you don't really have to follow. They do a good <laughs> job of catching you up, but there's going to be new people. So you can you know, meet them for the first time. And it's not it's, that hard. You, you've probably remembered CT from your youth. I, you I, the show. you know, at a, there are different times in my life where I watched, uh, the challenge like not always but sometimes where i watched it so and you never regretted i've never met anyone who's regretted watching the challenge i just i don't know if i have the time for i already am so committed to jersey shore i don't know if i have the time for more drama it's not even close we're talking about the difference between (laughs) seth curry and like and steph curry like the difference between justin tucker and that female kicker like that's how big of a difference sarah sarah fuller it's a good thing or that Derek Mason told her to, to squib it. All right. Anyway, he is uh, Zandric, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. I know there's good Reddit content going up on a regular basis. You can email the show, ZandrickEllison at gmail.com. The other show is MTV Challenge Accepted. You are going to, what, air it on Thursdays, right? I think so. Okay. But there's a preview episode maybe going up, so keep in mind. Yeah, the that. actual show starts next Wednesday, so you could watch Wednesday, that. Dece- yeah, Wednesday, December 9th is the premiere. 10 p.m. Eastern time on MTV. So, uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's Take a pleasure. Care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.